One of the fascinating things about welding is that it's in everything that we touch. And so there are so many different industries that utilize welding. And even if, for example, let's take manufacturing, even if the product itself being manufactured, being produced, is not welded, maybe it's made out of plastic. Probably in that factory, there is a welder doing maintenance on all the equipment that is used to make that product. And sometimes we don't think about that. Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 111. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Every week, we feature a professional in the skilled trades, business owners, educators, people who work in the trades, giving real-world advice. I have three requests. If you enjoyed the podcast and it brought you value, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating, write a review, share one thing you enjoyed and learned on the podcast. Your support means the world to me. Hey, today's guest grew up in Argentina and moved to California at 18 years of age. My guest is a graduate of the University of California at Berkeley. When my guest was introduced to the welding profession, she knew nothing about it. Today, she is not only a welder, but she's the owner of Welding Technology Trade School. During her free time, she enjoys camping, hiking, snowboarding. She grew up playing soccer. My guest a please welcome Mariana Ludmer to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Mariana, how are you today? Doing good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. So you grew up playing soccer. Did you play for your school? Did you play for a travel team? Because you know, soccer is obviously a very popular sport and you have all different uh, teams that one could play for. Yeah, actually, uh, interestingly enough, when I was growing up in Argentina, soccer was pretty much strictly a man's uh, sport. So there were no leagues or even at school, we didn't have soccer for women. So I just somehow I picked it up and I was really good at it. I loved it. So I used to play during break time with my friends at the park after school but I never actually had a chance to play in an actual team until I came to the United States. And I found out that soccer was pretty much the opposite. It was a more like a women's sport than a man's. So when I got here, I got the opportunity to join the team at my community college and adult leagues. And, and that was great, actually. Excellent. Are you still, I know now you're not in school anymore. Are you still able to play with other people? Are they leagues around where you live? I haven't played in a while, to be honest. But yeah, I, I was involved in, um, in adult leagues, co-ed leagues for many, many years until I started doing martial arts. And that kind of, I didn't have time to do both. So I kind of quit playing soccer and uh, started focusing on that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, and you did Taekwondo for the martial arts, right? For martial arts, you were in Taekwondo? Yeah, I'm not. Correct. I'm a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Well, folks, you don't want to mess with her. <laughs> I mean, she is trained to kick butt. 
No, that, I, I respect that because we know that, you know, that takes a lot of work and dedication to get to that level, you know, so uh, much respect to you for that. Uh, he wanted to know, you lived in Argentina and you moved to America when you were 18. What surprised you most when you, when you arrived here in the United States? Well, actually, going back to soccer, <laughs> that was actually a big surprise, a good surprise for me to find out that, you know, there were leagues for uh, women who wanted to play soccer. I was very much into soccer when, uh, you know, when I was in Argentina. I, my dream at the time was actually to join the women's team. But, you know, that was just, uh, even though there was a team, it wasn't, you couldn't make a professional career out of it. So that was out of the question for me. But that was one of the big surprises when I came to the United States that I loved so much that, you know, soccer was really predominantly uh, uh, for women. So, but it was a culture shock. It's just a culture here is so different in so many ways. And even though I grew up watching all the sitcoms, like Friends, I, I always say, I think I learned most of my English from watching Friends. You know, I, of course, I, I learned it in school, too, but I spent so much time watching all the sitcoms back in the, you know, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s. I loved it so much. But, you know, it was still a little bit of a culture shock. There's just so many things that are so different here. And just learning that and, and becoming part of it was uh, somewhat challenging the first few years. I would imagine. I mean, I grew up in Canada, and so I learned a lot about America from watching American television programs. My first language is English. I wasn't really learning the language, but I'd watch the shows, uh, popular U.S. shows, and, and that did give me a pretty strong perception of, of what it would be like to live in America. So I can relate to what you're saying. I also would imagine that you know Argentina is known for having leather and good meats, uh, you know, restaurants and food. So did you find that the restaurants were up to your level because you know, we know that Argentina has, it's known for, for meats and good restaurants, I can imagine. It, it was a, the first year that I lived here, eating was an issue. It was not easy to get used to the, the you know, just a different, different taste of food and spicy. Uh, you know, in Argentina, we do not eat spicy food at all. I mean, now it's, I think, kind of becoming a little more trendy, you could say. But when I was growing up, I mean, just, I didn't even use pepper you know i found that spicy and so it was definitely challenging like for a whole year i couldn't go to a mexican restaurant here for example just like anything that i ordered i felt was super spicy and <laughs> so and beef i uh you know argentina is world famous for its beef we have like the best beef in the world as far as I'm, I know. And so, yeah, the just beef tasted so differently here that it took a while for me to get used to it and finally, you know, be able to eat beef on a regular basis like I used to. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. I've never eaten the meats in Argentina, but I've heard about it. The fact that I've never been there and I know that tells me that the meat, I'm sure, is really good. And uh, so I, I've definitely heard that, but it is on my bucket list of places to go. So you will have to advise me on where to go when I, when I finally make that trip happen. So did you find growing up in Argentina that you had, that they had similar views to the United States regarding education, particularly as it pertains maybe to like careers in the skilled trades and versus the traditional college path or, or is it different? 
You know what? In a way, it was the same in that, like, I find even today that in high school, most of the push is for people to go to college. Argentina mm-hmm. was the same way. And in particular, if you were part of that middle class or upper class, there was no talk about the trade. However, and I would even dare to say that if you had decided to go into a trade, you would be, you know, it would kind of be like a dishonor to your family type of, wow. you know, uh, thing. So it, it was, it was out of the question and never talked about. So it, yeah, in that regards, in some ways, it, it's viewed the same in that, you know, there was always a push to, to go to college as opposed to informing students about opportunities in the trades. So now, when I moved to the U.S., that's what I had to do. I had to go to college, right? And that's exactly what I did. I grew up with my idea was always, I was always involved in, in nonprofit organizations in Argentina, helping people. I worked in food banks and just all kinds of different nonprofits. And my dream was always to manage a nonprofit organization and just to help as many people as I could. And for that, I knew I had to go into business and economics. And so when I got to the U.S., that was my goal. I wanted to go to school, get into business and economics. And I found welding and then I ended up combining both. And you're now involved in the American Welding Society. So you kind of that kind of explains your, your interest in working with the American Welding Society. Do you want to tell folks about your involvement there? Yeah, correct. So I ever since I got into welding back at the, I'd say, early 2004, I started volunteering with the American Welding Society, which is a nonprofit professional organization for welding. And um, so I figured that I should get involved and, you know, seize all those opportunities for networking and, and all the benefits that come with being part of a professional organization, right, uh, in your field. And so I uh, started volunteering at the local chapter, which AWS calls them sections instead of chapters. So I started volunteering in the local section, participating in all the monthly meetings and events, uh, getting to know people in the industry, learning more about the industry. And fast forward, what, like about 18 years later, right? We're in 2022, 18 years later, I am actually the chair of the Los Angeles and Inland Empire uh, section of AWS, which we have about 1,400 members in our section. I think we're the third largest section of the American Welding Society in the country. And so now I, I manage that, and I'm also a deputy district director. Basically, uh, the way AWS is organized is into district, which is a region, and within that region, there are sections. And so my section falls under District 21, and there's a district director and an assistant, which would be the deputy district director. And so this year I had the honor to fulfill that position of deputy and so, and as well as continue to be the chair. Now, do you have national events or is it mainly local events or do you do both in terms of like, because obviously you're building relationships, you're networking. Uh, do you get to interact a little bit more on a national level or do you focus more on your local? 
Yeah. The section focuses on the Los Angeles and Inland Empire section, so all the events that we organize are here locally. However, I also get involved, and all the AWS members have the opportunity to get involved at the national level. And at the national level, yes, there are many events that you can attend, conferences and other events that you can attend as a member or as a guest speaker, for example, if you want to get involved that way. And yeah, then the biggest event, it's always in November. Uh, well, I think uh, September and November, at, it's called the Fabtech Show. And it's a huge yeah, trade show for welding and manufacturing and um, it's huge. I mean, like thousands and thousands of people attend that event. That That's probably the biggest national event related to welding and uh, an incredible opportunity for networking and learning. Let me ask you something. I'm curious about, because you know what? I, I you, you were introduced to the profession. You didn't know anybody. In it. Can you share that story, how you actually got involved? Because I find that fascinating that you know, you knew nothing about welding, but yet somebody introduced, I think it was a gentleman introduced you and the rest is history. Can you share that story on how you got involved? Because I find that very fascinating. Correct. Speaking of networking, I met a gentleman by the name George Rolla uh, back in, I think it was late 2003, early 2004. And he was a professional welder his entire career. He had been a welder for, I think, about 20-some years or almost 30 years when I met him. And uh, he was the one that introduced me to welding. And uh, from there, I uh, tried welding. I liked it. I just kind of really honestly fell in love with welding. It, it, you know, I had no idea what it was. He explained it to me, but it wasn't until I went out there with him to the field. He had a welding truck. He was a, a, had his own welding rig. Went out there on a job and he's like, here, why don't you try it? Help me out. And I was like, what? Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Nice. And it's just so fascinating. It, it was just fun and it was great. It was so fulfilling to, to see what we accomplished at the end of the day, what we had built or repaired. or and uh, But again, you know, my mind was set in getting going into school and getting into business and management. So I figured I will combine both. There's a great opportunity in the welding industry. I like it. And so um, so that's where I'm at right now. Marina, have you always been handy? Were you good with tools or fixing things before you did welding? What's that? I've always been somewhat handy. You know, I used to fix my own bicycle, for example. I think that might have been the extent of my handiness. Maybe fixing some things at home, but just very minor. But... I think I've always been really good at playing sports, like any sport. I pick it up in two seconds, and I think that actually that helped me. So even though I might not have always been kind of more, uh, you know, fixing things at home and things like that, like other people might, just being a sports, you know, an athlete actually benefited me. And, and I think it's one of the things that really helped me to learn to weld, to be good at it, and like it. I also think another thing, too, a skill set that you might not have thought about is you have the ability to adapt because you, you moved from a completely different culture, country and culture at a young age. And so I think anybody who can move from one country to another and adapt, that's a skill set. You know, not everybody does that well. You know, people, most people don't like change, to be honest, right? 
you embraced it. And, you know, that's why I find your story so fascinating because you have that college background, education background, and then you made that transition into welding, which is kind of two different, uh, two different fields. But that ability to uh, transition and, and to be flexible, I think, is, is an amazing skill set. Tell me about the salaries, you know. So, um, you know, let's talk about the state of welding. And, you know, there are many industries that need welders. Where are you seeing growth in terms of jobs and salaries? Everywhere. One of the fascinating things about welding is that it's in everything that we touch. And so there are so many different industries that utilize welding. And even if, for example, let's take manufacturing, even if the product itself being manufactured, being produced is not welded, maybe it's made out of plastic. Probably in that factory, there is a welder doing maintenance on all the equipment that is used to make that product. And sometimes we don't think about that, right? So welding is a skill that you can take anywhere you want, whether it's manufacturing or some type of fabrication or in the construction trades. And I've seen a significant growth all across the board. Do you think that there might be some fields that might be experiencing more growth or that you might recommend over over another field just based on what you're seeing out there? Like if somebody were just coming in and I don't know, maybe they want to go to the field that's growing and has the most opportunities here, one in particular that you might direct them to? Honestly, I think that depends on where you're located. If we take Southern California as an example, I would say the answer is the construction trades, because that's probably uh, our biggest economy, right, is, is the construction trades. We keep building and building and building, and people keep coming and coming and coming to leave that California dream like I did, you know? And so I still the, the still building construction, anything that is related to construction is huge here in Southern California. I know it just keeps growing. And so if you're located here and you like, you know, working outdoors or if you're kind of that outdoorsy type of person, that is definitely the career that I, I would recommend for you. Otherwise, there's also, you know, a lot of manufacturing jobs here in this area as well. But I think if you compare the two, I dare to say that there's a lot more work in the construction trades here in Southern California than there is in, you know, manufacturing or uh, fabrication. Yeah. Also, let's not forget that construction can include commercial building, residential building, upgrading our infrastructure, because, I mean, you've watched the news. I'm sure you've seen bridges that are in need of repair, roads that are in need of, you know, you just, you just have to go out and, I mean, I'm not in California, but I know I'm in Georgia and I know I can drive down the road and see that the highway is being worked on. That's infrastructure. I would imagine it's not very different in California. <laughs> nope, it's the same. We have everything from they're building a new subway line out there in LA. I have friends that are on that project. You're building a subway line in LA? Yeah. Above ground? Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a new uh, subway line. From Malibu, I, I can't remember exactly. But yeah, and that's like a probably a 10-year-long project. They're that's just a big barely, deal. It's that's a huge. Big deal because you know, LA traffic is crazy. It's, yeah, yeah. 
you know, there's a, a lot going on at the LAX airport. Making, there's a lot of construction going on there, a lot of infrastructure. I mean, freeways here, like you said, they're just packed. There's just, you can't go anywhere anymore, hardly uh, here in California. And uh, so they keep making the roads bigger and, you know, new bridges and new freeway connections. And it's just incredible. It's just incredible the amount. And you know what's a challenge, keeping up with it, you know, because you have a school. So you're seeing students come out. You already have relationships with the employers. You know, they're not enough people to, to, to meet that need right now. Yep. Correct. Yes. And we're working really hard to try to get more people interested in welding, train, you know, train more personnel to go out there and uh, fulfill those vacancies. Can you talk about some of the salaries? You don't have to say the exact salary, but maybe a range of salary that can give, you know, a young person who's interested in going into this profession some kind of idea of, okay, you're going to make obviously a lot more than you'd make if you worked at a restaurant or retail, but kind of give a ballpark figure of what you're seeing out there for people just getting started. You know what? An entry-level job in welding here in SoCal is going to pay about 18 an hour. And if you're a journeyman in the construction trades, with the whole benefit uh, package, it comes out to about 90 an hour. So I think if you break it down, it's about 40 to 50 on your paycheck, and then the rest is on all, you know, all the benefits, right? If you had your own, if you're a professional and you have your own welding truck, for example, and you do work in the construction trades as a self-employed, I've seen it usually about 100 an hour, you know, 130 an hour. So, and everything in between. It just de- depends on your skills and on your professional certifications. Okay. So the education and training is really important. Do you offer additional at your school, additional training for people? Like I know you're training welders, but what about people who want to get additional certifications so they can earn more? Do you offer that? Yeah, we do. We we offer advanced courses. We have a certified testing lab and American Welding Society accredited testing facility. So any professional could come to our facility to do any type of, of welding test uh, for certification. In welding, there are like hundreds of certifications because certifications are very specific for you know different applications, and so. We offer, we don't just train, you know, beginners, but we also train professionals and we train welding instructors. We help schools set up programs for welding or improve their programs. So part of that is training, uh, basically professional development uh, for welding instructors as well. So we touch on everything pretty much, the whole spectrum. Definitely. And I'm also curious, I would think this because welding is such a high demand profession. So I wanted to know if the employees pay for their certification, their additional training, or do the companies pay for it? So you have both. I see both because we do work with companies that want to train and certify their employees. That's part of the consulting work that we do. And then, of course, at the school, usually is, you know, independent people that want to come and get certified. So honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. A lot of companies are skeptical in training their employees. They prefer to hire 
you know, already certified welders and maybe just provide them with additional training uh, or if there's anything specific that they need for a particular job, like a specific certification that welder needs to get, then at that point they will pay for that. But aside from that, you know, there's such a high turnover in general, I think, in, you know, in 2022 in general. And so I've, I've kind of seen companies being a little more skeptical about hiring somebody without skills and providing all the training, because there's always that fear that that person is going to leave once they become sure. certified, that they're going to fi- find a higher paying job or something that is more interesting to them and that they're going to leave. So, um, yeah. Definitely. I know that you're involved with working with high school students. What tools and platforms are you using to connect with them? Because I think that that's really important for us to get that next generation of welders. How are you connecting with them? So, in person would be the number one way that we're connecting with them. Of course, we're also on social media and we do use that. But I find that when we are invited to, for example, career fairs or to do a presentation, the best way to engage students and the best way to let them know about all the different types of welding careers and how great this field is, is by bringing a welding machine and doing demos and let them try it out. So a few years ago, we started doing that to Basically, anytime we go to high schools, whether it's a career fair or sometimes they just want us to build the welding, to bring the welding truck and uh, set up and to let them try it out and and have some fun. And I think that's just the the best way to get people interested in the field of welding. It's like you have to get your hands on it. You have to try it out and see for yourself how much fun it is how challenging it is, and then, of course, inform them about all the different opportunities that exist in the field of welding. I also believe people are very visual, and you're taking them out of a regular routine of sitting in a classroom. You know the routine of when you're in school. Now they're out and they're putting their hands on this equipment. I would imagine that that, that's just going to draw their attention. So, And you're letting, them, you're letting them actually do it. So I think that's really smart. As opposed to lecturing them, yeah. Have you seen uh, the results? Like, do you think? Do you see if you had to to guess? Is there what percentage of those students are actually now following through? Would you say? You know what? That's hard to say because we're not. Of course, we're not the only school here in the area. There are uh, three community colleges in our area that offer welding courses. But what I can tell you is that I've seen quite a lot of people over the years that end up coming to our school to pursue a welding career. That's great. That's good. And like I said, I think that the tactic you're using of of actually being hands-on is is definitely a huge advantage. Um, You know, women and minorities are underrepresented in welding. And um, what women and minorities are underrepresented in the welding profession, what can we do to bring more women and minorities into welding? Great question. Education, just using all those platforms to, I think, primarily explain that welding is a skill that can be utilized in so many different ways. And you don't have to be, you know, an iron worker welder or a pipeline welder or being in a rough environment if you don't want to. 
and you don't have to be a super strong person and go to the gym all the time because you're going to be, you know, climbing scaffolds or, or, you know, handling heavy steel. Uh, Those are certainly great welding careers for certain people, but, you know, sometimes not very suitable when you're you know, 110 pounds like I am and 5'4", you know, even though I handle heavy steel, I wouldn't see myself and I never saw myself, you know, for example, being an iron worker welder. And so there are careers out there that don't require that kind of physical strength or to be working outdoors because some people don't even like being outdoors, right? They would rather be in a shop. And so on the other side of the spectrum, you have careers like let's take aerospace as an example. It's super delicate work. I always tell people, if you're thinking about getting into a career in aerospace, you have to be very focused, very detail-oriented. You have to like working in an enclosed environment, like in a shop, where everything has to be super clean and organized. Nothing can be, you know, your well cannot be contaminated by any means. It's super challenging and it's It's definitely very, very challenging. And you're working with super thin, like paper thin material a lot of the times. So you have, you know, the total opposite side of that, of that spectrum, you know, Uh, and I think there's a misconception that welding is, you know, just the construction trades, being in the construction trades. I think people forget that you can get into automotive, aerospace, any type of manufacturing and the work environment and the type of work you're going to do is completely different. And so I think the past few years, we've seen more women and more minorities coming into our school, which is great. And I'm definitely trying my best to push certainly more women to get into welding because, like I said, I never picture myself, you know, in building construction, you know, climbing scaffolds, climbing items, that that would not be me. And so I chose a different career path in the welding industry. And there's just so, just so many different careers that you can pursue. It's just incredible. So I think there's definitely a welding career for everybody out there, regardless of, you know, what your interest is, working outdoors, working indoors, you know, being physically fit, not being physically fit, it doesn't matter. I still think that you can find your way into the welding field. I agree. I agree. You know, I've seen people go into welding at an older age because I've interviewed, I interviewed another school and I've heard them talk about having students who are in their 50s to uh, early 20s. So that's a wide variety of people, as I'm sure you're aware of, men and women. So, because uh, you know, a lot of professions, you know, there's, you don't typically see older people. There are professions where you, especially when people are just getting started, we have a stereotype in our heads of, oh, they're going to be everybody in their 20s. And not always reality. I'm sure you're seeing that in your school. There's some people who want to change. You know, they, you know, they get tired of doing whatever they were doing and they say, hey, I'm going to try welding. So, um, yes, yes. I'm sure you've seen yep. it. We work <laughs> with people from all ages. Yeah, I've seen yes. it a lot. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Final question, because I know that, you know, you have a school, you actually do the welding, you're part of the American Welding Society, you're, you're, busy, you're a busy woman. What does success look like for you with everything that you're doing? What's your vision for the future? To me, success looks like bringing a lot more people into the construction trades, especially women. But, you know, at the end of the day, what makes me happy is having been able to help somebody to 
launch a career in welding, to improve the career that they already had, you know, or even companies to improve their operations by hiring qualified personnel or training their personnel to, to be more productive and get more done, better quality. So at the end of the day, that's what I strive for. And I am the type of person that is always looking for a better way to do things, you know, quality, faster, cheaper. And so, you know, I embrace change always. I'm always looking for change, you know, because that's how we advance and that's how we get better at what we do. And I feel that's the way that I can, that I'm able to reach more people and help more people to be successful in welding. Nah, that's great. I love that because like I said, um, the world is always changing. You've got technology and you understand that and you're either moving ahead or you're getting left behind. And so I know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're trying to help more people in scale and that'll always make you successful the more people you help. So I wish you continued success, Mariana. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Skills Stadium podcast. And uh, thank you stay for having me. My pleasure. Have a fantastic day. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.